Welcome to the Manager Tools Podcast for Monday, February 27th, 2006. Hello, this is Mike Lozan, and welcome to Manager Tools. Today, Mark Horseman and I discuss how to fire someone, or more accurately, and without all the hyperbole, how to coach someone who is failing. Now, there's six steps to this process. During today's podcast, we'll cover those steps at a high level, and then we'll come back with some more details and examples on our next podcast or two. Now, at the end of this process, if you're not successful at turning around the poor performer, You'll be in the perfect position necessary to fire them and not only get through HR, but also be able to put your head down on your pillow and sleep at night. Hence our little hyperbolic uh, title. So, without any further delay, let's get to the show. I bet you we have a lot of people who saw the headline and like, we're yeah. going to tell people how to fire somebody. They got really excited. And what's our little secret? Uh, this isn't about firing. Yeah, people. it's not about firing. Um, it's not even about how to get ready to fire people. What most managers don't realize about firing people is that it is a, it is a last resort. It's an admission of failure. And we're going to come back to this. It's an admission of failure and effective managers go through a process to avoid it. And it's only when your process has failed that you consider then what you must do to get rid of somebody. Yeah. But the funny thing about it is the process is identical turning around somebody's yeah. performance and making them successful, which is our objective, obviously, right. is the same processes that you go through if, in fact, at the end, you were going to fire somebody. Right. You go through a, the same process to develop a good strategy as you do a bad strategy. And you develop the strategy and then you implement the strategy. And sometimes the strategy works and sometimes it doesn't. But this is essentially a, a strategic process for how to work with people who are not performing well. Exactly. And the great thing about this is one of two things happen. You end up turning around a poor performer and they becoming they become a reasonably good performer. And, and they, they are a lifelong fan of yours. And forever. the organization is more effective as a result. Right. That you win. Right. Or in the end, you turn around and fire somebody. And after you fired them that night, you can go home and put your head on your pillow and, and sleep okay. silently because exactly. you know you did everything you needed to do to give that person an opportunity. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, when people talk to me about firing people, Mike, it's it's kind of amusing. There's a part of me that's amusing. There's a part of me that's pained by it because you and I both know that if a manager says, I, I need some help firing somebody, the first thing we think about is, what haven't you done and why have you let things get here? Right. Now, the manager's not thinking that. The manager's thinking, why has this employee improved? You and I are thinking, what have you done and how have you let things get this far? How have you let things get this out of hand? My gosh. Um but, but here's how firing goes in most companies. Um, first off, the manager is presided over. I mean, literally presided over. I don't mean to be, to be rude about it, but let, let's be honest. They have literally watched someone continue to fail to meet expectations. Okay? So there's been months of failing performance. And along the way, the manager has given suggestions that, you know, gosh, things need to improve here. Or sure would like to see some change. Um, 
kind of worried about about how things are going here. Don't know if maybe you want to think about doing things differently. There's this sort of vagueness that uh, it's it's frustrating. I mean, if if people communicated in meetings and presentations with the vagueness that they talked about poor performers, meetings would go forever. It would just be horrendous. It's this one era where everybody thinks that being vague or being sort of gray about everything is actually okay. And well, they think yeah, they think they're being nice or polite. That's yeah, what they think they're that's doing. That's right. Yeah. Until until they lean across the desk and tell them they're fired. Yeah. Exactly. And the person is surprised. Like what? Yeah. If somebody's surprised by this, that is a huge, huge negative bit of feedback for the manager. And if I'm your boss and someone's surprised when you fire them, when you terminate them for for a performance issue, not not for an ethical breach or or for a harassment issue or something like that. If somebody is surprised. By you firing them, I've got issues with you in terms of you as a manager. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, you know, managers say things like, well, this is getting serious. Um, uh, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, this process may take as much as six months. So, yeah, it, w- of course it would be serious. It certainly seems serious to the employee when you end up firing them. Boy, that's about as serious as, as it gets. Um, so, anyway, they say things need to improve. Things are getting serious or whatever. Uh, and the employee becomes vaguely aware that things aren't going the way they should. Now, actually, the employee internally knows things aren't going well. People have a pretty good sense of whether or not they're meeting their objectives or not. They know internally whether they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and whether their boss is generally happy with them or not. Um, um, so, so the employee becomes aware that things are not going well, um, or maybe they're just embarrassed or, um, something bad happens. Um, there's a, there's a, a, an inflection point, if you will, as opposed to just sort of a low level, not doing well. Um, something noticeable happens and basically the manager loses her patience, um, and sends a note to her boss and says, Hey, uh, you know, I want to fire Joe. What do I do? That's often the case. And, and a lot of times their, their VP calls me and says, Hey, Mark. Joanne here wants to fire Rhonda or Joe or whatever, and so uh, I need you to work with them. And and what happens is the boss comes back and says, "Well, are you sure? You know, can, can you help me understand what's going on? Because because the VP hopefully knows, or the director hopefully knows that this is not a trivial thing. We don't do this, um, we don't do this uh, lightly." Um, and after some back and forth between the manager and the director or the VP or whatever, in many cases, the manager, by the way, is feeling like. Um, Gosh, uh, this is micromanagement. Why is he asking all these questions? Well, senior leaders say, you know, we feel strongly that employees are our most important asset, and suddenly now you're getting rid of somebody. You're making it about the employee when, in fact, your leadership team is really making it more about you. Okay, so so at some point, the boss says, well, okay, fine. Uh, go ahead, talk to HR. <laughs> and that is, you know, that's the thing that uh, that managers say, oh, the kiss of death. My gosh, I got to go talk to HR. So the manager goes and talks to HR, and HR says, well, you know, what what have you done? Uh, or what, what has the employee done? And, and the manager says, well, it's really what they haven't done. They're laid on projects. And HR says, well, which project? And, and when were they laid? And how often were they laid? And how late were they? Or they're late to work, and the the HR says, "Well, how often were they late, and when were they late, and um, you know uh, what results are not going well, and are they salaried or not salaried? Because that plays a role, obviously." Um, or or the manager says they're hard to work with, and um, HR says, "Well, define hard to work with. Can you give me specific examples?" And of course, we happen to be big fans of behavior here, but most managers are not. They don't see behavior; they draw conclusions without even realizing the behavior they've observed. They just say, "I don't like his attitude." Well, actually, attitude is not a behavior. Um, attitude is a conclusion you get from behavior. Um, 
And and basically the manager, after listening to HR ask questions and probe and pick at how well the manager is doing their job or not doing their job, thank you very much, um, they then ask for the dreaded documentation. Documentation. <laughs> documentation. And and quite frankly, the manager ends the meeting with some frustration. Right. Um, and then they go back, in most cases, and then try to create six months' worth of documentation in about two weeks. Which is absolutely one of the most unprofessional, unethical things. And, and every single manager who's ever done that would absolutely scream bloody murder if their boss did that to them. Right? Absolutely. No feedback, no coaching, no counseling, no anything. All of a sudden, boom, you got a pile of documentation on me? I don't think so. Right. To the point where in corporate America today, when people start getting feedback, they think their natural right, reaction right. is, I'm on a performance plan and I'm getting ready to be fired. Exactly. That's why we've talked about it before, about why do people not like the feedback model? It's because it's never been done before. It's absolutely reasonable to expect it if you're an employee and you as a manager are not giving enough feedback to your employees. And, 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 and gentle, dear listener, let me be clear. I am speaking directly to you. You do not give your team enough feedback, period. So I'm talking to you, not to the person next to you, not to the person in the car on the freeway driving in at the same time as you are, uh, not to the person in the next cube over who you know listens as well, okay? Uh, if you have a friend who are listening to this podcast, call the friend and saying he's talking about you so the friend can say right back, no, he's talking about you. I'm talking about both of you. I have never met a manager who gives enough feedback, ever. Whether, whether it was me or you or anybody, they, we just don't give enough. And what happens is because we don't give hardly any at all because we're worried or we're afraid or we don't want to create conflict, what ends up happening is when we actually do give feedback, they think they're getting fired because they've never heard it before. Well, it, it, we, 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 for those people who have been with us or have heard the podcast and have actually done it, how many people have written us and said, oh, I saw the look on their face, Mark, just like uh, you said. Yeah, their eyes went as white as saucers. Yeah, white as a sheet, white as a saucer. Yeah, my gosh, I couldn't believe it. And I thought I was a nice guy. Well, the answer is you are a nice guy. You're too nice. You're not willing to ask for people to go through the toughness of improving their performance by giving them negative feedback. And believe me, there's plenty of positive feedback, too. We love affirming feedback. But in this particular case, we're talking about performer. So we're going to focus on, obviously, adjusting feedback. Um, you know, this is the one area. We were talking about this before the, the, the cast started, Mike. This is the one area where HR does an absolutely fabulous job, and managers just sit around and whine about it. Right. I don't say it very often, but thank God yeah. for HR in this, in this regard. What, they're essentially asking us as managers to do what we should have done all along. When they ask for documentation, it's funny. I, I told somebody once, listen, I've been deposed in lawsuits, and I held up yellow sticky notes with dates on them and my scribbles about documentation about an employee or a manager that I had been involved with that hadn't done what they were supposed to do and whether or not they deserved to be fired. And somebody said, well, that's not documentation. I said, sure it is. I wrote a note down. I talked to this person about this and such, and they said this, and we did that, and they didn't follow up. That's a note. It's a yellow sticky. And they said, well, gee, I, I thought it had to be on a form or anything else. No, no. HR is essentially saying, we'd like to protect the employee, because either employees are a most important asset around here or they're not. Um, and managers just want to do what they want to do. Well, I've decided I'm going to fire them. Well, where's your documentation? Well, I don't have any. Well, yeah. I'll tell you what. If, if I were your boss and you said, hey, I'm thinking about getting rid of Joe, I'd say, okay, let's walk through the process. And, of course, I'd lay out right. this process for you. And I would never let you get to HR without a big old pile of stuff. Yeah. And it's not hard to have it. You just make notes as you're talking to people along the way. It's not a formal form. Any person who's ever managed a project wouldn't go through a project without right. having some kind of documentation or deliverable 
right. they could look at, feel, touch, read, et cetera, that marked the fact that they had reached some critical milestone or accomplished some some task. Well, if we have that much care and attention to documentation right. and deliverables re- related to projects, why not the same level of concern about managing our most valuable resource, which is our people? Right. Yeah, you'd like to think that. But there's no behavior to suggest that's so. In fact, the manager goes back to her cube after HR has ticked her off and and, and proceeds to tell everybody, well, gee, you know, all they do is stick up for employees. And then they utter that famous phrase, which is, you can't fire anybody around here. And I have to tell you, Mike, that phrase is complete and utter nonsense. I have never been to a company, I've never worked with a client where it wasn't a very straightforward process. Yes, you have to dot your I's and cross your T's, just like when you're requesting time off, just just like when you're requesting uh, training, just like when you're requesting vacation, when you're requesting raises for people, doing annual reviews, everything. You have to dot your I's and cross your T's. You have to be a professional about this because it has repercussions. It has implications. It is a fairly straightforward process to get rid of somebody, to terminate an employee who is not doing their job. Um, I've never found it not to be the case. In fact, um, I remember a running argument that happened uh, several years ago with with a client I was working at. And uh, I said, you know, look, you guys always tell me that you can't fire people. I know you can. And they're like, oh, no, 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 Mark. We're we're actually different. I know it's probably the same everywhere else. But here, really, this is different. We don't actually have a union, but it doesn't really matter. You just can't do it here. They won't let you. They, of course, who are they talking about with they? HR, of course, or ER, employee relations. Um, I told them if I was a manager, I could do it. Um, and they all laughed at me, right? Um, and, and literally, I was, I was there in this engagement, in this, well, series of engagements with this client for a couple of years. And after a year, I'd finally had enough. Um, and um, it had sort of had an edge. It was, it was a funny debate, but it had a bit of an edge because they knew they were right, and I knew I was right, but we were absolutely at opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, and really, the reason they were doing it is because they wanted to protect the culture that they said they wanted to change, but in fact, they weren't willing to go through the hard work of actually changing their culture because it meant managers had to change. So I finally said, fine, I'll prove it. Um, and I followed the technique below, and it worked. And we saved the employee. We didn't have to fire them. They said, well, see, you didn't have to fire them. But then I showed them the note from HR saying, this is the kind of documentation you need. This is how, if, you, if it came to it, if this person hadn't stepped up at the final step, we'd had to got, we, no problem getting rid of them. I showed them about 20 pages worth of stuff. What and, a great we outcome. Brought, we, we brought the HR person in and said, yeah, absolutely. This is what you do. You, you give them feedback. You coach them. You walk them through this. You, you document it. Just write notes along the way. You know, let your boss know. Bah, 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 bah. And at the end, they said, if he'd come to us and said, well, I want to fire him, they're not doing what they need to do, we'd have helped him along right out the door. We'd have been done in a day. Yep. You don't have to give him two weeks' notice or a month's notice. You say, look, we're terminating you. We've been talking about this for the last six months. You haven't improved your performance. We indicated to you three months ago that there was going to be consequences. You've gone through step one, step two, and step three. We're at step four, which is, I'm sorry, we've really enjoyed you working here, and we need somebody else in the job who can actually do the job. Best of luck to you wherever you go. Right. Um, so, so we've got a, a pretty well-defined process that yes. you've been using for years. It works every single time. Yeah. And we're going to walk through it. And then today we're going to go through at a high level, high level. the six steps that, of, that we're yep. going to go through here. And then we're going to follow on on subsequent podcasts and talk in a little bit of detail of each of the right. steps. Right. We're going so, to take each step and drive down into more detail. So probably yeah. talking about this podcast on the high-level overview and then probably – 
one, one probably two, two okay. podcasts subsequent to this where we're going to go through yeah. examples and, and walk people through it in some detail. Yeah. And, and, and we, we did title it, you know, how to fire somebody. Um, but this, again, this cast, these casts are not about firing somebody. Um, if you want to do that, you actually have to fail at this process. Okay. But if you fail at this process, if you follow the process, but the employee ends up not improving, you are at the place where you can legitimately, as you say, go home and put your head in your pillow. You may have to throw up doing it because it's never pleasant. And what's funny about it is sometimes HR does it for you and no manager ever complains about that, right? Oh, HR says, well, we, we're the one that has to terminate somebody. That, the manager never says, oh, I'll do it for you. When that's true, that's, that's a complete management cop-out. <laughs> That, you, if that happens, I, you, I you should not be able to go home and put your head on your pillow. That's right. Yeah. So we're not talking about firing somebody because that's a whole separate cast. What to do if, in fact, it comes to that and there is a right way to do it and HR doesn't do it. Let's put it that way. Okay. Um, so um, we're going to talk about how to coach somebody who's who who continues to not perform, continues to not change their performance after you've given them all. We take them through all the steps. There are six steps. Um and the single most important point of this entire show, Mike, is that the overall activities of a manager who ends up terminating somebody and the activities of a manager who, who saves the person from being terminated are identical. Okay? Effective managers who save struggling employees engage in the exact same uh, set of behaviors as the effective managers who have to end up firing somebody. That's why this is a show that's about firing, but really not, not about firing. firing. Exactly. Um, now, one other point, though, that I think is sort of a subset to that, which is uh, let's be crystal clear about what an effective manager thinks about terminations. They're an admission of failure. Um, as much, if not more, a failure on the part of the manager than on the part of the employee. If you have to fire somebody, it's a low moment. It ought to be a low moment in your career, and it ought to be one that you remember for the rest of your career. Um, it, it, it ought to be your failure to do your job well enough to avoid the misery that termination can wreak on a family. Because that's what happens. If somebody gets terminated, they're going to go home, and it affects the family for weeks and months. Even if they get another job, there's still going to be questions and concerns in their minds. And you don't want to be the one doing that if you can avoid it. Um, as you mentioned before, if you fire somebody without laying awake at night about what and thinking about what you could have done better, not what they could have done, but what you could have done better, you don't have the heart to be an effective manager, and we just soon encourage you to go find an individual contributor job somewhere and do it to the best of your ability. Um, if this is not something that turns your stomach and makes you makes your heart ache for people because you didn't step up and do your job as well as possible, um, then probably you don't have the ability to be a great, effective manager yeah. in our minds. Yeah, my son or daughter is going to be an employee of one of you out there at some point. That's right. I like to think that you're going to give him or her the. There you go. Some of this. Uh, and heaven forbid, my my daughter, who is about to graduate with with an engineering degree from Tulane, she comes to work for you because if you're her boss, she's going to know what to expect in terms of having a good <laughs> boss. And and she won't hesitate to tell you exactly what she thinks about you. <laughs> yeah, if you think Mark's direct. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so again, um, the the effective manager who ends up firing somebody doesn't engage in any different behaviors, up until the very last anyway, obviously, than the manager who uses this process to save an employee. And of course, well, uh, obviously with the price of re replacing people and so on, it's way better, it's more professional, it's more ethical, it's more caring, it's more the – 
manage the effective manager way to try to save somebody. Um, they both give the same feedback. They use the same coaching steps. They give the same additional feedback and coaching along the way, the same clear messages, the same documentation, the same notification. Everything is the same. In one case, the performance does not improve and you have to take a drastic step. In the other case, the performance does improve and you don't have to go to that final step. That's the only difference is that final step. And, and, for a highly effective manager, this process is what makes terminating a poor performer so simple. Because if you've gone through this entire process, while you never want to, to engage in that final step of having to terminate somebody, if you've done your job well, the termination is simple. And believe it or not, HR will love you for it and help you do it. Because you've done what they ask you to do, that so many managers complain HR never lets us fire anybody in the normal world because, no, you're right. You don't deserve to fire somebody. You haven't given them feedback. You haven't given them systemic feedback, all the steps that would allow you to say, I can hold my head up and put my head on my pillow as well, that I've done the best I can, my level best. And it's not my job to make everybody great. It's my job within certain resource constraints to do my best to help everybody improve their performance. And ultimately, we're talking about the employee's performance. It may reflect on the manager, but it is still the employee's performance. They're an adult, and we're going to treat them like an adult. Okay? Right. So now, let me just run through. I'm just going to give you the six steps real quick, and then we'll give a slice of each one before we go into a great, great more detail great. each one. Okay? So the six steps are this. First step, feedback. Second step, systemic feedback. Then uh, step three, one-on-one performance discussion. Okay? A performance discussion within the one-on-one. Uh, step four is coaching. And hopefully people have heard feedback and coaching before on this <laughs> podcast. Let's hope. If you haven't heard, please go back and listen to those podcasts. Um, step five is formal performance discussion and notification. Okay? And step six is coaching within your corporate process. That whatever you call the corporate disciplinary or counseling or um, uh, performance improvement process. That's it. Just six steps. Okay. okay? So step one, feedback. Okay. Anything different than we've been talking about for the last no. six months? <laughs> no. In fact, I, I, when we get into it in more detail, I'll, I'll basically share. It, it, it's the four-step feedback model. So, Mike, may I give you some feedback? Sure, absolutely. When you're on time for a podcast and you've read the notes in advance and we get a chance to, to, uh, to talk about it and you ask me questions that make me think more clearly and help you understand where I would like you to, to interject and so on, I believe it makes us much more effective. I believe it makes us a crisper podcast. I believe it makes us come across more professionally. I believe it improves our listenership uh, and gives them better value. So thanks. Thank you. It was really Thank great. You. Yeah, that's positive. That's affirming feedback, right? Simple four steps. You ask if you can give feedback. You wait until they say yes. You honor the fact if they're going to say no. So, okay, fine. We're going to talk about your performance. If you're not ready to hear feedback, I don't want to give it to you. I don't want to browbeat you. Okay. When you say, yes, I'm willing to hear the feedback. I say, hey, when you do X, when you engage in this behavior, whatever it is, not when you have a bad attitude, because attitude is not behavior. We focus on behavior. Step three, here's what happens. I talk about the implications of what happens. In the last podcast, we talk about the fact that smart people delivering feedback will tailor their feedback to the behavioral style, the profile, if you will, of the person that they're talking to. Uh, in your case, I talked about increased leaders, uh, listenership and better value for listeners and so on um, because you're a natural high D and that's important to you is making an impact in the marketplace. Um, and, and then step four is in the case of affirming feedback, thank them, encourage them to continue it. Or in the case of adjusting feedback, negative feedback, we say, what can you do differently? 
And of course, in this, in, in, in the case of coaching around uh, a poor performer, obviously it's more likely going to be negative or adjusting feedback. And it's going to be, hey, when you're late to something, here's what happens and what can you do differently? And obviously the first time you give them feedback, it's going to be, oh, I need to be here on time. Okay. So that's step one. And whenever you give feedback that's adjusting, recognize that while it can be relaxed, can be professional, we want all those things, it could also end up being the first step in a six-month process about which you're going to end up having to terminate somebody. So don't throw it around as if it's no big deal. Pay attention. Notice why you're doing it. And again, we're, we're just going to give a high level here and we'll drill right. down into more detail. Okay. okay? So, now, so, okay, so step two is systemic feedback. Now, what's, what's the difference there? I think we mentioned it before. But, yeah, we've touched but, on it. Systemic feedback is simply feedback about a continued performance issue, but now the feedback includes the fact that the performance hasn't changed. Okay. So let's say um, uh, we're, I'm working with you on presentations and um, you gave a presentation and I wasn't impressed with it. You, there was some sloppiness and there were too many slides and I'd given you guidance, which you had not met. So I'd given you feedback on that. And uh, you said, yeah, you're right. I need to work on that. I'm going to do this, this, and this. And then you give two more presentations and I don't see any change. The feedback will sound systemic feedback. Again, it's still feedback. We're not into coaching. We're not into firing. We're not into to, uh, uh, performance management. We're not into a, uh, uh, um, a probationary period at all. This is just feedback. It's a little bit different feedback. It goes something like this. Hey, Mike, may I give you some feedback? Sure. When you give a presentation like that, after I've given you some feedback about points A, B, and C, and, and this is the third time that you've messed up on points A, B, and C, uh, I, I begin to get worried. Uh, what happens is um, I begin to not only think, okay, we still need to work on the presentations, but I'm also beginning to get worried that there's not an improvement, that you've said you're going to try to improve on these things and we're not getting improvement. I'm beginning to wonder whether you're hearing me, whether there's a, a skill problem or whether there's a will problem. And I, I'm beginning to get the sense that this is a bigger problem than just presentations. What can you do differently about that? So you see what I'm doing here is I'm not just talking about the presentation. Now I'm talking about your ability to improve. Right. So this is not a right. It's not about the ability to give a presentation. No, it's about the, either the willingness or the ability to change your behavior. Let me ask you something, Mike. Would you fire somebody because they couldn't give a presentation without going through a feedback model? Well, no. Just let's say somebody couldn't give a presentation. Is that enough to fire somebody? I don't Absolutely. think so. You don't think so? No, I, no. In, in in this sense, if if. Well, I, I guess what you're getting at I'm is not, it, hey, if it's the salesperson and they can't go out and make a presentation, then absolutely, right. Okay, I guess what I would say is I, I'm not going to fire them because they can't give a presentation. I'm going to fire them because they haven't improved. Absolutely. Right. Well, here, here's my thought. If I terminate somebody because they can't make an effective presentation, it's much more effective in my mind to tell them that what I'm firing you for is because you didn't improve rather than the presentation. Because if it's just a case of presentation, they may very well say, well, can you find me a job in this company where I don't have to make presentations? And then you're saying, wait a minute, how motivated would I be to help somebody who knew their job was presentations, who couldn't change them, change their skill in that? How motivated would I be to help them find another job? Yeah, I wouldn't be. Yeah. I wouldn't be. It's, I'm not going to fire them because of the presentation. I'm going to fire them because they haven't been able to improve. Because guess what? In two years, their job is going to change. And I don't want to always be worried about, is this another skill that they're not going to be able to master? I need somebody who can improve their performance that's a good point. and constantly change. Yeah. So that's Especially where the systemic – Yeah, exactly. So that's where the systemic feedback comes in. Okay? Good. All right. Um, step three. 
So we've given feedback. We've given it perhaps a few times. We've added to it with systemic feedback. Hey, well, I continue to see this issue. I'm concerned. What can you do about it? And again, remember, in all these feedback conversations, it comes back on you, Mike. It comes back to you about what are you going to do differently. Now in step three, I'm going to, and it may be, it may be a month, it may be six weeks, it may be two months after I've started to notice a little bit of an issue here and I've given you, been giving you some feedback along the way. I'm not giving you feedback once every three weeks, that's for sure. That's not frequent enough to justify putting them in step one at some point down the road. Okay. Um, but now we sit down in a one-on-one and I, and essentially what I do is I take my 10 minutes, that middle 10 of the 30 or the second half of the second 15 of the 30. And I talk about, Hey, listen, here's what I like to talk about. I like to talk about your performance. We, I've been giving you some feedback lately and I've given you system, some systemic feedback as well. Um, I, I'm concerned about your performance. You know, I've given you this feedback and this feedback and this feedback, and I made some notes here. Um, and I'd like to talk to you about what we're going to do about it. Okay. And the purpose of that is to send them a clear message. We're not, we're having a conversation about the performance, but it's even more than just a, a tactical feedback. It's even more than strategic feedback about some tactics that went wrong. Now we're in a one-on-one. We're not actually observing any particular behavior. We're talking about their development, their ability to grow with the job. And what I'm saying is I'm seeing something that's not changing and I'm worried about it. Okay. Now in the next cast, we're going to talk in more detail. Here are the four steps you cover when you cover that. You're, you're not only telling them that things aren't going well, you're also creating documentation in the form of your one-on-one. And by the way, once you have this discussion, two months into your giving feedback and so on, now every single week, you're going to be coming back to this issue. And so you're going to have week by week by week by week documentation to show to HR. And it can be scribbles. It has to be somewhat legible. Um, and you may just scribble some things in your one-on-one form and then go back and add to it later. Um, but this is the start of documentation. And it's nothing more than handwritten notes on a right. standard one-on-one form. Documentation is not always a statement that's no, written on not. paper with the employee's signature on yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, listen. Employees don't need to sign anything. Now, it's funny how they won't sign a counseling form, but they'll sign their something about a paycheck. It's like, oh, okay. Um, it, it doesn't matter. There are employees who complain every year. I just coached a, a client manager on how to give a difficult annual review, and they said, well, she wouldn't sign it. And, of course, the thing at the bottom says signing it doesn't mean you agree with it. It just means you were it was delivered to you. The employee who says, I don't want to sign it is essentially, it's a chaotic kind of thing. It doesn't, doesn't mean anything. Um, but nonetheless, um, so you're going to have a formal discussion during a one-on-one about their fail, right. failure to improve their performance. And what is it? It's going to be discussed during each one-on-one. Yeah. So giving, yeah, feedback, giving feedback in one-on-ones is not tantamount to, to saying, Hey, you got an, right. you have a systemic issue here. Right, exactly. In fact, I would even say, I think there are some managers who have linked one-on-ones and in, in, in feedback in such a way that they wait till the one-on-one in order to give feedback, which I think is silly. Somebody recently wrote into the website and said, "Gosh, I, you know, can I?" Uh, um, you seem to suggest that we wait until in order to give feedback. No, gosh, I want feedback to be like stubbing your toe. When you stub your toe, your body says, ow, that hurt. And it's pretty quick. Right, we it doesn't said, wait a half yeah, an hour. Giving feedback should be like breathing. Yeah, that's right. Well, you don't breathe once a week. <laughs> yeah, you do it all. So if you see performance that's not good, when you walk out of that pr- presentation that isn't good, you say, hey, can I give you some feedback? And it only lasts a minute. It's not a big deal. Um, if you wait till the one-on-one, Boy, I gave that presentation last Friday. He's waited till now. He's been figuring out how to say it and how to deliver it. I wonder, man, am I in trouble? And in fact, I'd be willing to bet you that when you do this process, people are going to ask you several times, are you in trouble? And the answer is no. 
No, you're not in trouble. Now, if three months from now or six months from now, we're in the same situation where your performance is not improving and I have a reasonable standard and you're not meeting it, then yeah, I guess I would say you might be in trouble. And if I even have one manager who says, Mark, when I go to step five and I actually notify them that they're going on a performance improvement process or they're going through step one or whatever, I actually say in the vernacular, if you're going to ask me, am I in trouble? The answer is yes, you're in trouble. And that's to me, I found that a very powerful way to speak in the language that the employee is using. Well, am I in trouble? No, you're not in trouble. No, you're not in trouble. Okay, now you're in trouble. And in fact, we'll talk about it in step five that one of the things you got to do is say, you're in jeopardy here. Right. If you continue to perform this way, I may be forced to terminate you for failure to perform. Not things aren't going well. Right. Okay. So let's, <laughs> or mistakes were made. I'm sorry. I'm okay. So ahead. Let's, jumping so, ahead. So let's before we talk about five, let's talk right. about step four. Step four. So four. One, coaching. You're talking about one on ones. Now step four is coaching. Now tell me right. what's the difference between coaching and one on ones, and what's what's the distinction between talking about it once a week at one on one versus now being into to the the coaching step. Okay. One on ones are, are just the bucket where you communicate about how this employee is doing. Coaching is the process where you and I work together and we identify what's the goal, where do you need to be? Let's be clear about where we think you need to be. Let's identify the gap. Okay. And then let's say, okay, what resources do we need to, to, to avail ourselves of to help you improve? Remember, I may not be the person that actually trains you. I may ask somebody else on the team or a peer of mine or a peer of yours or uh, an expert or a management consultant or outside training firm or whatever to actually be the one that delivers the new knowledge to you that helps you improve. But basically we go through that and then we also look at, okay, what's the goal this week, next week, what are we going to have done? We're going to break it down into very manageable steps. Not, we're not going to say in three months, you're going to be a better speaker or presenter or you're you're going to know how to use PowerPoint. We're going to say next week you're going to enroll in Toastmasters. The week after that, you're going to have gone to your first meeting. Also next week, you're going to have uh, bought a copy of presentations or PowerPoint for dummies, and you'll have read the first 25 pages by next Friday. It's that kind of granular breakdown. And again, we're going to go through this in more detail in the next okay. cast. But so, in step, so in step three, when you're giving feedback during one-on-ones, you're, simp- you're just giving them feedback. In step yeah. four, now you're taking a more active role in terms of assisting. You're now you're coaching them on whatever problem they're having. That's right. the, that's the w- distinction. Yes, yeah. Uh, with the understanding that one on ones happen once a week, but the coaching. If I'm coaching you, Mike, you're engaged in coaching behavior even when we're not in the one-on-one. You're getting classes. You're reading books. You're uh, online. You're getting tutoring from somebody in in uh, in uh, the HR department or in the technical department or whatever. The, what happens in the one-on-one on a week-to-week basis where I'm documenting about what you're doing and how you're doing it is I'm checking up on what you said you were going to do and whether or not you're doing it. The one-on-one is where we communicate about what you're doing. It's a bit like a project update. It's not the actual project work. We don't do the work in the one-on-one. I'm not your trainer. I'm just the coach overseeing your improvement. So the one-on-ones, we we have this discussion in the one-on-one in step three. And then in step four, we start the coaching process. And generally what happens is in step three, after you've given feedback and systemic feedback, and you say, listen, I'm concerned, you know, what might you be able to do about this? And there's a couple other questions we'll ask in there, and we'll talk about that more later. But but probably what you're going to say is, gosh, I guess I need some more help. And what you do is at that point, the smart manager says, well, why don't we go to coaching then? Why Why don't I start coaching you on this? And you know what the employee says? Wow, great. Right, super. Yeah. So, so you know, just think about it. They got feedback, which even if you're good at it, there's still a little bit of a twinge of, oh, boy, the boss is let down. Now they go to systemic feedback in step two. Oh, okay, this is noticeable. And then in step three, hey, he's talking to me about him one-on-one. Oh, boy, 
You know, I, I'm not in trouble, right? Mike and Mark or whoever that, you know, he, he wants me to succeed. He tells me all the time, this is feed, adjusting feedback is not about dinging you. It's about saying, Hey, listen, I noticed this. Let's see if we can't change that. No problem. We get, everybody gets off course. I want to make small corrections rather than waiting three months and saying, Oh, by the way, you're in a lot of trouble. Okay. But now in, in, in step three, when you're given that information and you're asking a little bit more about how things are going, they're going to say, well, I don't know. And you say, well, how about some coaching? And they say, aha, okay, I'm not out of arrows in my quiver. I've got something else I can do. Yeah, I'd say, sure, let's, let's do some coaching. Let's sit down and maybe uh, come back in tomorrow or the next day. We'll take a half an hour and we'll map out the coaching plan that you're going to be involved in right. for the next three months. Yeah, that's the thing, plan. I mean, the plan is the yeah. – now, plan has a different connotation, particularly around – you know, hiring or firing, firing folks. So I hesitate to use the term plan, but that's really the distinction. When you go into coaching, project. now you have a project, you have yeah. a plan that you're actively focused on this particular exactly. weakness the individual has. Exactly. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, okay. So, so now we're doing coaching and we're meeting weekly in our one-on-one and I'm documenting every single week about what's going on. I'm documenting. And if you send me an email about how you're doing, I print that thing out and it goes in my one-on-one. And, and believe me, I have actually testified in court with a notebook that said one-on-one for this particular person. And we flipped through week after week after week after week. And the, and, and the company lawyer who was defending the manager from this plaintiff suit saying a wrongful termination made sure that, what did you write there? Da, 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 da. What did you write there? And we flipped those pages 41 times. Tell me what happened next week. Well, it wasn't actually next week. It was three days later. This happened. And then this happened. And then this happened. He, he was very, this lawyer was very good at creating the, the situation of, look, we've got documentation after documentation after documentation. The manager wrote there that he said, to, he gave him some feedback. When you do this, here are the bad things that happen. Here are the bad things that happen. Here are the, over and over and over again. So the person was given a steady diet of, I care about you. I want you to succeed. And you continue to fail to meet performance expectations. Right. And the great thing about it was, Probably when they were doing this one-on-ones, the purpose of documenting the one-on-ones was not to fire somebody. No. It was just a natural habit the person had developed because they did one-on-ones. I just write things down because I can't remember because I have 14 direct reports. Right. Right? Simple. Okay. So step five, you've been doing the coaching. And by the way, the coaching lasts for three months at a minimum. You want to go six months? Great. Okay. I'm all for taking longer to try to save somebody, provided they're not significantly weighing the team down, okay? But but at a minimum, you do coaching for three months, meeting every week. Let me make, uh, let me make a comment there or a question, because I think prob- – I imagine a lot of folks in our audience right now just reacted to that three months, which oh, is – Oh, too long. I, I have a cry- – I can't, I can't wait three months. The point would be is – the crisis you're in right now, if you follow this process, you You'll would never have addressed get three months. You'll never get there. Yeah. This is way, way early in the process. Yes, exactly. Compared to where people you know today what, are. You know, you know, Mike, it's funny. I, I just had this analogy. This may not work. I don't know. So many people, it's like NBA basketball games. Everybody watches the last three minutes, and it takes 45 minutes of a game, right? It takes 45 minutes on TV, but only lasts three minutes. Um, in the NFL, there's a big deal about the two-minute drill. But if you've been paying attention lately watching NFL games, one of the things that's come out, maybe they talked about it before, but I never noticed, is that the really great coaches all say the game is pretty well decided after the first three or four offensive sets by both sides. They've got a set of 20 or 30 plays. They learn what the defense is doing and not doing, and they're making adjustments. And after that, it boils down to a few special teams plays, a few turnovers, and that's the game. The game was decided, Bill Belichick and some others have talked about this, within the first eight or ten minutes. Managers go through life as if everything is a two-minute drill. Effective managers plan in advance and make it so that the first couple of sets determine everything. 
That's the difference. You'll never get to this phase if you give a lot of feedback, if you give systemic feedback, and you know how to handle the coaching process. You'll never get to step five. Right. Uh, unless you've hand, been handed somebody else's team and they did a poor job of hiring and the job has changed enough that really there, some things really need to be drastically changed. But I find that rare. Maybe one out of a hundred times am I in a situation like that where there's that noteworthy a, a difference between performance and standards. So, yeah. so we're going to do coaching for, for three months. And that just goes to the fact that if they're there and they're an employee, the expense of replacing them and the care and concern you ought to have for them because you sit next to them and you talk to them and their families know you and you know their families and they know your family is such that you ought to be willing to go the extra mile for somebody. You know, you want the guy on the team that says, hey, it's midnight. I want two more hours out of you. And the guy says, sure, no problem. Right? If you, if, if you can expect that from them, they should be able to expect that from you and you should be willing to bet on them or double down your bet when things when the chips are down. So no, I'll stick with you. I believe in you. I trust you. I want you to do good. Okay. So we do coaching for three months. Um, and then step five is we have another one-on-one discussion and we say, okay, the coaching's not working. And now I've got to let you know, I'm letting the boss know and I'm letting HR know that I'm failing and you're failing too. And we're very blunt about that. Now, now's this high level cast. We're not going to go into the details, but very clear saying now your job is in jeopardy. Right. We're going to go through coaching again in step six, but if that doesn't work, and it may take three months or six months or whatever, if that doesn't work, you can end up getting fired out of this. And I want to be very clear. You could get fired. That's got to be said. If you don't improve, you could get fired. Right. And step four, that doesn't, that's not part of the conversation. No. Step four, coaching. That's You're not, just coaching. Yeah. Right? Step five, now they know they yeah. may be terminated if things don't improve. Yeah. If somebody said to me, if we're in step four in coaching and they said, am I in trouble? No. I'm coaching you. That's part of my job. I coach people. Well, but okay, what if six months from now I'm still in the same situation? I'd go, ooh, okay. Then we'd probably go to step five, which is the coaching's not working. Now you're in trouble. And what I mean by in trouble is we're going to do coaching again. We're going to probably use some different resources. But if that coaching doesn't work, now your job is in serious jeopardy. And I, I don't want to go there, and so I want your best effort now so right. we never get there. Well, not that it's in serious je- jeopardy. If this step five coaching doesn't work, you will be fired. Yes. You good. will be exactly terminated. Right. Not right. you'll be in trouble. No, you no, will no. be terminated. Yeah, if step, if step six coaching doesn't work. Yes. If step five, you notify them that if the step six coaching doesn't yes, work. Yes, yes, yes. Right, right, exactly. Right. If step six coaching doesn't work, you will be fired. Yeah. And that, that phrasing, you will be fired, you, I will terminate you, is enormously different than there could be consequences. Because there could be consequences means, well, I know three or four guys who ought to have been fired years ago, and nobody ever seems to get fired in this company. It's impossible to fire people, so I'll be good to go. So step, so make sure I understand this. Step five is a fairly short step. That's not the, the no. coaching. The step five is simply the notification it, that it's another we're, one-on-one meeting. We're going to, we're, one-on-one, we're going to step six, and if you fail that, you will be terminated. In fact, Mike, you know, it's funny. I, I may not be answering your question, but I'm going I'm to make a little bit of a joke about it. There are six steps here. But there are really only three. Feedback and feedback. Steps one and two are the same. Right. Steps three and five are the same, which is a one-on-one meeting in which you talk about the performance. And steps four and six are the same. Coaching. That's all it is. It's feedback, coaching, and one-on-ones. How many times have I said that? That's all there is to right. management. Well, well not management, can, management <laughs> consultants, executive consultants can't, can't have three steps. You've got to have, right. you you gotta gotta have, have six. Right. <laughs> and, and you know what? We could do this in three steps, but it's not what an ethical manager cares about their folks would do. Right. And, and you take your time and you do it right so that when it comes to that point where you, you have to look in the mirror and say, I did the best I could, and you better be able to say that, I did the best I could and it didn't turn out well. Okay. It didn't turn out well. And so I can hold my head up um, 
I, I may not feel good about it, but I can hold my head up when I have to terminate this person. That's it. Okay. So there you go. Super. That's great. I think that's it's. I think it'd be useful to give people a roadmap of where we're going with this, what the six steps are, and then we're going to come back because there's a lot detailed examples. There's a lot of questions here, I'm sure, about yeah. each of these uh, it, six steps. Now, hopefully, not so much on step one, right? Since we covered that before on several podcasts, but we're going to go back to well, each of these steps. Mike, why don't we say, look, let's have people listen and let's let's really encourage questions this time. Send questions to the website, please. Um, so that we can get a sense of where your questions are, what steps we were confused on. You know, gosh, sometimes we deliver this stuff and then we hear questions. We're like, oh, we missed that one. We didn't say that quite right. We confuse some people. So please throw us the questions so we can know how to tailor our work in, in the next couple of podcasts. Yeah, it's a great idea. Super. Good. All right. Thanks, my friend. Thanks. Thanks for joining us this week. Next week, we'll come back to the subject and talk through the process in a bit more detail and give you some great examples that should help make all of this perfectly clear. So... That's it, folks. Have a great week, and we'll see you all next time. So long.